Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Misaros with Success Harbor, and I have Brandon Nolte with me. Brandon is an expert at finding niches and creating books around these niches. He published about 50 books. That's 55-0 just last year. Welcome. Thanks, George. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here, uh, Brandon. Tell me uh, how and why you started in the publishing business. Oh, wow. Um, I guess I started initially just because I wanted to, I've always wanted to own my own company and I didn't know exactly where to start. And, you know, this was a couple of years ago when I was just kind of getting started and getting serious about business. And I heard about people who were having some success on Amazon. And when I looked into it, it seemed like a really good business model. So I decided to give it a shot. So what made it seem so good? Well, I, I, I was just convinced by people who had been in it. Um, I guess it's hard to describe, um, you know, how, how I got convinced of it. But just the things that they were saying around how anybody could get in there, find an opportunity, sell great products to people. And, you know, it's really I think it was really uh, I could see how powerful the Amazon marketplace was and how how doable and achievable I thought that it was that I could personally do it. Right. So that's that's probably part of it is that you know, one, I thought it was a good opportunity, but two, I, I believed in myself enough that I thought I could actually do this. So so I don't want this to be an Amazon commercial, but tell me, was it the platform, the Amazon platform that made it so intriguing for you or was there something else too? No, I, I think it was the Amazon platform. I mean, I if you talk to me at any point, I'll tell you that I don't want to be tied to Amazon you know, for my whole life. And that's why I've kind of branched off into other opportunities. But in terms of just getting started, building a skill set, building some, getting some revenue and, and actually creating some products that people want in the world, this was a great start. So what year was it when you thought, you know, Amazon was going to be the way to go, at least initially? I think this was about two years ago. So probably 2012. 2012. Okay. And, and talk about, um, Talk about the beginning, maybe the first book or the first couple of books uh, from from writing and actually let's talk about maybe just the, the idea. What like what what? How did you find a niche to write about? Well, initially I was looking just in the Google Keyword Planner to figure out what people what people were looking for, and so I created um, my first book. I'm blanking. Oh, my first book was about soccer. It was about um, teaching kids different soccer techniques and tricks. And so I saw that the, there was a good volume of searches around these different techniques. And then I took, you know, I did a lot of keyword research to kind of flesh out a whole outline for one book. And then those different keywords would become the different components within the different chapters of the book. So I would know that there was certain things that people were looking for and I would make sure that everything was in that book. So I initially started with that. And, I, and then the next book I created was something about um, the best cities to travel in the U.S. or something like that. And these two books both totally flopped and they, they hardly made any money whatsoever. So I realized that I had to kind of refine my strategy a little bit. And it wasn't just about the keyword tool. What is a flop exactly? Well, is it zero sales or just not enough sales? 
Yeah, well, I say flop lightly because I was inspired enough to actually take action and continue to produce books, but I could have very easily given up after my first two. So it, for me... Why think, not? Why not give up? Um, I think I was, I was curious. There was that little bit of intrigue that, you know what, maybe I should give it one more shot. I mean, for me, I, was, I, was, uh, I had been creating a website about how to build an Android app because I was uh, delegating to... I was working with a developer to create an app. You know, I just came up with the idea and I was hiring somebody to, uh, to make it happen. And then this is before I, I got into the Kindle stuff. So I was like, well, I really I feel like this is something that somebody would really find valuable. You know, the process of creating an Android app. Again, this was two or three years ago at this point. And so I was like, all right, well, these books didn't sell too well. Let me let me try this one, because I know that Am or Android is heating up. I know that a lot of people would find this valuable, I think, at least. And it turned out that I started to make some decent income from that one, and that's what really inspired me to take that extra step. What is decent income that told you, yeah, yeah this is worth pursuing? Well, initially, it was just $40 a week, which isn't, I mean, decent relative to what I was making with the other books. You know, I probably made maybe two bucks in, in the month or maybe two bucks a week or something like that, you know. But after after those two kind of flopped on me and then this one came along and I was like, oh, I can make like 40 or 60 bucks a week with one single book, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's inspiring to me. Yeah, so, and, and you know, some people say, you know, 40 bucks is nothing, right? But but when you, when you, you do something from scratch, even $40 a week is very encouraging. I mean... Did you feel, I mean, obviously you felt there was something there, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's obviously two ways you could look at it. Somebody could say, you know, 40 bucks a week, you know, that's worth nothing to me. But I guess I was inspired because I knew that if I could do that, that the next step was, well, what if I have 10 books that do this? You know, 400 bucks a week is not a, not a joke for most people. So, you know, if it was one thing to create that one book, I could just very easily replicate that success. So that's what, ex you know, excited me. So when you when you wrote those first few books, uh, you know the soccer book and uh, the other was the uh, the U.S. travel book, and you said they were flops. Uh, were they flops because they were not the right niche, or did you do something that you would do do it differently today? Yeah, I think they were not the right niches. I think there was proven search demand, but not proven buyer demand. And so what I neglected in my first two books was to figure out what people actually wanted to buy and were willing to pay for. So I didn't do a whole lot of research internally from within Amazon, within the actual marketplace where people are buying and, and selling products um, to figure out if these niches would work or not. And that's, those, those are some things that I try to incorporate later in my research to figure out niches that actually sell products and not just niches that have a lot of interest. So what kind of research can you do to determine if something is not only something in demand that people are also willing to pay for? Well, Amazon tells you everything. Amazon has a seller's rank that ranks from one to seven million or however many books that they have, and you can find out exactly how popular something is on a uh, buying basis, like based on sales data. So... You know, you can go in and you can look at microphones, like podcasting microphones, and you could Google and you could see, or I mean, sorry, you could look onto Amazon 
and you could see that it's ranking, you know, maybe at 30,000, which in Amazon sellers rank means that there's only 30,000 30, books selling better than it. And there's, uh, you know, 6.999 million uh, selling worse than that, you know, but then you can take that and you can compare this niche to another niche, let's say vacuum cleaners or something. And, and you can say that that one is selling at uh, 5,000. So that, so that book or that niche, there's much more buyer demand for that particular product than there is for the podcasting microphone. And what I used to do was to kind of uh, pit these niches against, against themselves to figure out which ones were the hottest and which ones I felt like I could add a lot of value to. So talk about, you talked about a couple of early books that were kind of flops, but they, it sounds like they were a great learning experience for you. Tell me what was the first uh, hit? I, it's probably not a good word to use, but what was the first book that was, you know, wow, you know, this could really work? Well, besides the Android book, which you'll, you could find if you Googled my name, um, that one's kind of puttered around a little bit. But I do have one that, that has been selling really well for a long time. And that's been the Kindle, I mean, sorry, the Paleo Crockpot Recipes book. I mean, I was, I wasn't, <clears throat> I was almost considering not doing that one just because I thought it would take a long time to come up with everything to, to create the book. And, you know, I would have really missed out on a, a huge opportunity had I not actually gone through with it. And how did you come up with that title and that niche? You know, I, I would say that Paleo itself, I, I buy that. Uh, you see that all over, but uh, but the recipe book and then and, and a crockpot, uh, you know, it's just really really uh, an interesting kind of niche. How did you come up with that? Well, I I think it it kind of spawned out of my personal tastes and preferences, as do most of my books. I tend to get into niches where I kind of have some understanding, or actually, I would like to promote those kinds of things. So I don't have any books on real estate or affiliate marketing or anything that I'm generally not interested in. Um, so I, I usually try to marry um, niches that have good buyer demand with something that I'm kind of interested in, whether I'm writing the book or not. So with this book in particular, I had, I think I was, I started doing paleo back in 2012, or I'm sorry, 2010 for myself. So I had been paleo for a couple of years before I came across Kindle and, you know, fortunately enough, it was just starting to pick up steam and become mainstream. And so I had been looking at it just at the right time where there, it wasn't totally crowded and there wasn't a whole lot of competition. And then within that domain of paleo, I knew enough that I needed to niche down to a specific topic within that. So that's when I looked at paleo desserts, paleo dinners, paleo, uh, you know, CrossFit or whatever paleo exercise, paleo crockpots. And I looked at the crockpots category as a whole and used some of the techniques that I used. And I determined that that one was selling way, way better than all the other ones. So that's where I decided to focus my effort on. Okay. Now, what is your system for coming up with just the titles of the book? Because titles in anything, articles, books, um, you know, blog posts are important, I would say. I would, I would think. I mean, are they? And, and do you have a system for it? Oh, of course they're important. Yeah, the, the title and the book cover are pretty much all that the searcher on Amazon has to go off of to determine whether they will actually click on your, on your page, your product page or not. So if you don't have a title that 
can be found in search, meaning that, that it has the right keywords and it doesn't contain the right compelling message for somebody to click on it, then, you know, you might as well just quit. It's super, super, super important. I don't mean to sound, um, uh, I don't know, down about that, but you definitely have to take into consideration um, how you can sell your product. And that's definitely a key component of the title and the, and the, the book cover. And so how much research, uh, is the title kind of the way SEO used to be a long time ago with the keywords and all that? Or, or what is it? Is, does it have to be catchy, like in advertising? What, 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 what is a great title? Yeah, I think, I think a great title does contain some elements of relevance. So relevance to the search topic and not always curiosity, but some sort of compelling and emotional connection that you're making with that particular topic to what the reader wants to hear about. And, you know, for anybody who's looking to do a little bit more into writing good headlines, you know, I would just look into, into some of the great copywriters like, um, like Garrett, uh, Gary Halpern or, um, you know, there's a hun- hundreds of them out there, but you know, that you can check out Jay Abraham's list of top hundred headlines and, you just you get this sense of there, there's really an art to invoking this curiosity and uh, and pulling people into your into your book. It's not just enough to have uh, a title that is relevant to their search, but you really have to compel them to click on it, and and that's definitely key. And and the title can you really test the title in uh, in Amazon, or you have to try to find a way to test it other other ways. You can. I I didn't do too much of it just because I was more focused on creating great products and moving on to the next one. Um, I I tend to it into with this Amazon strategy. I tended to just kind of uh, create the best product that I could based on my strategies and toss it out into the Amazon marketplace and see whether it would float or not. Because typically, what happens with a super transparent marketplace like Amazon is that the cream rises to the top. You know, you're not going to fool anybody if if your book is crap. You know, if you if you don't take time to write good content, you don't hire a good writer, you don't take time to to make a nice cover. You know, you're only going to fool people for so long, and then you know they're going to find something else. They're going to leave bad reviews, and um, you know, it just happens that way. Okay, so. How much time do you think? Let's say if I I want to write my my first book for uh, for Kindle, and you know I mean my my category is entrepreneurs and business and all that. How much time should I spend on phase one, which is to come up? I mean you know some good niche. Is it in a matter of days, hours, weeks? Um, well, I I would suggest that the the best thing to do is just to go you know, go for it and, um, you know, not waste a whole lot of time trying to pick the perfect niche. You know, I, I would think that you could find a good enough niche within a couple days and then start taking action because once you make that first book, I mean, like I said, you know, I had a flop, I had a couple flops and I had plenty of flops after that, but the best thing to do is just to get started and then you can kind of work up from there. So then let's say we have identified, uh, uh, we're going to take a shot at the, this niche, and now we're going to start writing. Um, 
And and do you do you think it makes sense for the person to try to write this book, or should it be outsourced, or should it be a combination of that? Um, yeah, I. It depends on your uh, your particular skill set. If you think you're a great writer and you like to write and you know about a topic, then by all means, go for it. It's certainly going to take you a lot longer. But um, personally, what I did was was I outsourced from the very beginning and I wrote on the topics that I was really interested in. Interestingly enough, the two first books that I outsourced were flops. The Android book I wrote myself and worked with an editor. It took me probably 10 times as long, but it also made me more than 10 times the sales. Um, but moving forward, what I did was I, I outsourced all of my writing. So I was concerned on setting up the procedures and the processes and hiring the great people and putting them in place and letting them work on everything while I was choosing the niches and all this stuff. So what is a reasonable amount of time to spend on writing a book, let's say when you outsource it? And how much money do you think would be reasonable to spend? I'm, I'm sure it's, it's probably not easy to answer, but can you give us an idea of the cost of, of writing the book? Yeah. So I typically, you know, I, the things were all over the board when I started. I think I, I spent probably way, way, way too much just because I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't able to kind of figure out where I could, where I, where I had waste in my process. And eventually I got it down to about probably 300 to 500 on average per book, you know, somewhere, somewhere a lot less, somewhere a lot more. But on average, that's probably what I ended up doing. And this is for about a 16,000 word book. Okay. 16,000 word. And in terms of finding people, do you go the traditional routes like Elance and Odesk, or do you have some other other means of finding the right writers? I, I love Odesk. I I've been using Odesk for three years now, and you know that's how I hired my developer to create the Android app. That's how I I've hired almost any sort of position that you can think of from Odesk. So I. I can wholeheartedly recommend them personally. I haven't used Elance just because I've been so happy with Odesk, but I'm sure Elance is just as good. And before you hire somebody, and let's say you haven't worked with that person, what steps do you take to kind of reduce the chances of hiring the wrong person? That's a good question. I guess it depends on what you're you're looking to hire. Yeah, writing. I mean, let's talk about just writing right now. Well, I think that the most important thing to know when you're looking to hire a writer is what is good writing? Because if you're thinking about the customer and you're thinking about how you can provide them value, then you want to have somebody who can communicate messages effectively and compellingly through their writing. So I, I always recommend this book by Paula LaRue, which is called The Book on Writing. And it's a fabulous book. I read it a couple of years ago, and it really helped me with my own writing style. But it also helped me when I was starting to outsource and I was starting to hire people myself. Because if you know how to, if you know how to find good writers, then your end product will be that much better. And if you've never thought about it, you know, if you haven't taken any English classes since you know eighth grade, eighth grade English or college, you know. English, it might be something that you want to just brush over before you look into hiring somebody for writing. Okay, so so outsourcing doesn't mean that you're absolutely clueless about writing, right? You do have to do your homework. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you want, if you have your best, your customer's best interests in mind, you always want to hire. This is my philosophy on business. I want to give my customers the best product every single time. So if that means uh, getting the best writer and paying a little bit more, then I'm going to do it. You know, there's plenty of people who make Kindle books for a hundred bucks, maybe even, maybe even 50 bucks. I don't know. You know, if you hire somebody in Bangladesh or the Philippines or, uh, or India to write something, you know, you could probably do it for under a hundred bucks easily, but then what's it, what's it worth in the end to the customer? You know, I would rather pay, um, somebody who can, who can turn out a much better end product because that's what I'm comfortable doing. And that's what I think people want to pay for. And are these books um, 500 page books, 1,000 page books, uh, 50 page books? Is there some kind of a rule of thumb for that? Well, like I said, I was using about the the rubric of about 16,000 words, which I think is, I don't remember in Kindle pages, but something around 70 or 80 pages maybe. So my books tended to range from... 60 on the low end to over 130 on the high end in terms of Kindle pages. And so people are not complaining that it's not like a 500-page book or a 300-page book? Is it pretty much expected or is a norm in uh, Kindle publishing or is just the, the, the way you write books? No, that's pretty much the norm. I mean, the thing is that the, the pricing is a lot different. So, you know, I'm not selling a 16, I'm not selling a 60-page book for $25.99, right? I'm selling a page or 16,000 word book for uh, $2.99 or at some cases 99 cents to get, you know, to get reviews at first. So who sets the price? Do you set the price? Is it, is it Amazon that suggests the price? Uh, how, how is that done? Amazon has a very interesting way of doing things where they, they want you to be within a particular range of prices. So if you if you price your product from 99 cents, which is the lowest you can price it, to 2.99, anywhere in between that range, you only get 30% of the royalties and they take 70% of the royalties of the profit of the book. Now if you go from 2.99 to 9.99, you get 70% and they get the 30%. So they switch it. What's more interesting is that at the end if you price your book over $9.99, it goes back to the 30% for you, 70% for them. So in that regard, it's very, very clear that Amazon wants you to be in between that $2.99 and $9.99 range for, for ebook prices. And have you found a sweet spot for you in personally, terms of pricing? Yeah, personally, I like to start my books out at $0.99 cents to get some reviews and to get some traction. And then I typically bump it up to two ninety nine. I mean, I, I haven't done a whole lot of price, uh, you know, price changing just to see what what would happen because that just seemed to really work for me. So, I mean, I don't I don't know that that just seemed to work for me. Okay, and one of my concern is is building a following, and I think for a lot of authors or people that are are in the publishing business. Is is there a way for you to do that through publishing through Kindle and Amazon? 
Is there a way to gain a following or to keep a following? Yeah, uh, uh, gain one and to keep one. So, for example, somehow for these people to come back and look more, uh, either to drive them to a website or to another product, um, you know, it, it, do you have some kind of a strategy for that? So I I do not. I knew that and I know in my heart that this is definitely possible. I know that people are doing this who are creating authorities around themselves and their brand. Personally, all of most of my books are under pen names. So if you search for my name, you'll only find a couple books related to Android apps. And that's because I wanted to become, you know, an authority in certain niches. So it, when I go into different niches, I have different pen names. You know, it's it's not as compelling to read somebody who writes about Android apps and then also writes about, uh, I don't know, ballerina shoes or, or vacuum cleaners or whatever. Um, but yeah, to go back to your initial question, I think that there's a huge potential to create a following, to create an authority for yourself using this platform. But here's the caveat that it, it's only one platform, right? So you should always have your own domain and your own platform because otherwise you'll be dependent on Amazon forever and you don't want that. So do you think, um, and I don't know if you do any of this, but when you when you publish a new book, do you also register a domain and then try to send people to that domain for maybe an upsell or just to build a community around that title? I did very little marketing outside of the Amazon ecosystem, but I know that there are people that do try to pull people off of the Amazon ecosystem. The the tricky part is that Amazon doesn't really like that. So even with physical products, they don't want you to really contact their customers. That, and, and that's the distinction, right? The people that buy from you on Amazon are not your customers. They're Amazon's customers. And that's, that's the, the reason kind of why I've distanced myself from Amazon moving forward. Okay. Uh, let's let's come back to that because that's that's really uh, interesting to me. But I was going to ask you, you know how there are these different kind of um, brand names like the Dummies series, and and there are these others in, and they basically write about anything, you know. And have you ever considered developing some kind of a brand name so you know it's not so much the author but the actual brand, and then you can come up with all kinds of different topics. I'm sorry, I'm not following. So, for example, you have, uh, you know, the dummies guide to do X and oh, the dummies okay. guide to online dating and the dummies guide to painting your house or selling mm -hmm. your house for top dollar. You know what I mean? So you have that dummies brand name and under it, you, they write about pretty much anything you can think of. So I was thinking that maybe that as a strategy to for you know publishing on Kindle to develop a brand name like that if you ever consider that or if you know of anyone that's doing that. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely a, a great strategy to use. And when I said that I didn't do any sort of outside marketing, um that's because all I was doing was this kind of marketing. And what I consider that to be is kind of using the marketplace and creating a brand internally. So creating a bunch of books in a related niche and creating this this brand equity within a particular category by having an author page, by having books in the same niche, really, really helps uh, all of your books kind of sell each other. So if you have, typically what I did was I would put a, a book into a niche and then if it, it worked well, I would try to find other related niches that I could go into that I could kind of piggyback off of. Okay. And there's a couple of reasons why it's good to have 
books in the same niche. One, they get recommended to in the section where it says customers who bought this also bought that. They customers can click on your author profile from any of the books and find all of your other books. And within inside the books, you can recommend your other books from the same author much easier than you can with other authors. So by tying them all together, you can really you can really kind of cross sell all of the books. It helps create this cohesiveness, like you're saying with the dummy books. It's a very sharp strategy. Okay. Now, how much how much money can you expect to make with these books? You know, you wrote you wrote or I don't want to say wrote but published 50 books last year, which is it sounds a huge number. And some of them uh, do better than others. Do you have some kind of a do you have some kind of a guideline that I have to make this much money with a book or I have to make this much for me to even uh, pursue uh, this this niche? Or how do you look at, you know, uh, where you want to be in terms of success? Well, that's, that's a good question. I mean, like I said, I, I haven't been um, in Kindle for a little while, but, um, you know, when I was when I was doing this more steadily, um, I was. I was just really looking for niches that had proven demand where customers were hungry for great products and I felt like I could offer value to them. So it wasn't like I could figure out how much money I would get in return. Maybe maybe I'm just not as nuanced of an entrepreneur to figure that out beforehand, but I was more concerned with looking for great opportunities and then swinging as hard as I could to try to knock them out of the park. So, so tell me, what's next? Uh, you mentioned that uh, you know you're kind of walking away or stepping away from the Amazon platform. Uh, what is the reason for that, and what's next for you? Sure. So, uh, what I really liked about Amazon in the first place was that it allowed me to grow into an entrepreneur. You know, back back before I started making these books, I just had a regular nine to five job, and I was you know living in Pennsylvania and still living with my family and you know I, I really wasn't happy with where I was and and this the money that I got and the skills that I built really allowed me to grow myself personally and professionally and to be able to take those next steps and you know when I reflect back on on where where I'm going and where I want to be it's not just a matter of the money that I was able to make from that it's a matter of the skill sets that I I'm, I'm able to build with it so part of the reason why I'm kind of stepping outside of Amazon is not because the money isn't there, because I think it still is, but I think it's because I'd rather, I know where I want to be personally, and I know what skill sets that I personally want to build. And by sticking with Amazon, uh, by sticking with only being able to market on Amazon, it's a very, very specific niche skill set. And there's great things that I learned from it. But if that's all that I do, I'm seriously limiting myself in the future. So by branching out to these other opportunities, I know that I'm going to be able to build other skill sets that are going to be totally complementary to what I learned with Amazon. And that will help me be even more successful in the future. And what are those skill sets that you really want to uh, gain or improve upon? Well, you know, right now I'm, I'm moving into the e-commerce space. So selling physical products and, you know, you have to you have to know your numbers a lot better. You've got to know your margins. You've got to know, you know, you have to have inventory. You have to have a warehouse. You have to have shipping. You have to deal with the customers because 
unlike on Amazon, they're your customers. They're not your customers. You also get to do a lot more marketing because with Amazon, you can't do a whole lot of marketing. So, I mean, like in one respect, it's amazing. It's an amazing opportunity to be able to sell books on Amazon because you only have to have a limited skill set. You just have to create good books that people want and then and then the marketing will take care of itself because Amazon provides that. They provide the hungry customers. You just got to figure out what they want. But when you go out and you branch on your own and you go in to build your own e-commerce store or whatever it is, a SaaS product, there's so many different variables in the equation that you have to figure out. So those are some of the ones that I want to figure out, but there's a whole host more. So if somebody wants to start now uh, publishing, do you think there are still many opportunities in the publishing area? If somebody just wants to start out, you know, with the Kindle or the Amazon platform uh, before they, you know, get into e-commerce and everything else? I still think there's some opportunity. I'm I'm hesitant because I know that it's getting very crowded and I know that Amazon is kind of cracking down on some of the things. Um you know, just being a lot more strict about what kind of things they let in. And um, I think for anybody who's looking to actually challenge themselves and want to make a change in their life, um, I would recommend trying to just try to make some money. Just try to make $10 next month online if you've never made it before or or make $100, you know. And if you, you set those small manageable goals, then you can just continuously increase them. And th- And that's kind of what I did. You know, you start out with a with an equation that seems simple. For example, the Amazon e- equation. Sorry, I like to have math analogies. So like the Amazon equation, there's not much to it. You create a great book. You find somebody to make it, whether it's you or your, or someone else. And then you just plug away and you make it happen. And uh, And once you've got that, you can move on to something else. So uh, share what was the greatest high you had from from publishing your own books? success uh, the book maybe how well it did or just something that you created that surprised you that it was so good I think that the the most rewarding part about this experience was that I know that, that I personally did it I mean I know that sounds selfish and it is you know but there's something to be said about actually going out there working your tail off and seeing that kind of return and when I when I saw, for example, the, the Paleo Kropok book that I worked my tail off for for a while, and I get these customer reviews coming in that people really love the recipes and they're happy and they're so happy that I came up with them, you know, to, to know that I put out a great product that I personally made, um, it's it's so, so, so satisfying. And that really inspired me to kind of want more of that in my life. Well, uh, Brandon, how can people connect with you? Sure, I'm. I don't have a like a personal branding website or anything, but if if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Um, I answer my email at Brandon C as in Christopher Nolte. That's N O L T E at Gmail dot com. Brandon, thank you very much for taking the time today and to share your story. And uh, I wish you much success. And hopefully you can come back on the show uh, when you have something new going, maybe the e-commerce or if you're introducing some new product. I would, I would love to have you back on the show. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks so much, George. Thank you very much.